0: This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor of Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. Uh, my prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or a discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at Good. All right. Uh, a few practical ways to maintain a Christ-centered life. I want you to evaluate opportunities, work, and mission in light of God's mission first. I know we, we often do this though, right? Like we, we evaluate opportunities in light of God's mission, but what does it look like to flip it on the other side and evaluate what God has for us before we face these things so that going into opportunities and tasks that we might be handed missions that we might be handed we recognize okay this is what god has for me and if something does not align to that then i'm not going to bring it into my life so it's it's at implementing seek first the kingdom of god what does it look like to evaluate these things first so what is the priority task what is my calling right now how does this opportunity fit within my calling these are all questions we can ask we ask, uh, how do I evaluate information of God, in light of God's truth first? Knowing God's truth so that we, when we face information, we can sift it through God's truth. A lot of people, what they do is they find out knowledge or information, and then they go to the Word of God. What would it look like for us to be people who are so full of God's Word that when we face information, we understand how that already is answered by God's Word? word. This is us feasting on knowing God's word, implementing into our minds and our hearts so that we see through, see knowledge through the lens of God's truth. We evaluate pleasure from God's perspective first. We ask, is this something that God has given me to enjoy? Is this something that God has given to me for my good? If you're like me, and if you're with me on this, uh, I enjoy salt. It tastes good, right? My friend and brother, Pastor Bill, uh, Pastor Bill, he's a chef, and he would tell you that no matter what you cook, you add a little salt to it, and it just increases the flavor. Get this. I haven't had these in two years in God's grace, but they are a wonderful creation, chocolate chip cookies. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Chocolate chip cookies. Did you know that there is salt in chocolate chip cookies? It doesn't make sense. This is a sweet, chocolatey goodness. But salt makes it better. Salt makes everything better, they say. You just add a little bit of it, just a little bit of it, just enough, and it makes it better. But too much salt's not good, right? Too much salt is not good for us. So we ask the question in our life, this, is, this brings pleasure to me, but God, is it good for me? We have to do this in everything that we have in our life, our marriages. God, what have you given me as part of the satisfaction in my heart to please that nature in my life? God, what have you given to me? And I'm not going to go outside of those bounds. Sugar tastes good. Maybe I get more amens out of that one than salt. I don't know. Sugar's good, right? Too much of it not good. It's just an illustration, but you think about that in all of your life, and you ask the question, this pleasure feels good, but is it good for me. And you ask that first before you try it, before you engage in it. Kids, teenagers, is it something I would pour over you? Before you engage something, ask, is it good for you? Fourth thing we've got to do is we've got to evaluate people from God's perspective first before we hear, see, or do anything experience anything, we have to ask the question, what does it look like? How does God view people? How does God view this person? Not how do my emotions and experience view this person. How does God view this person? It transforms the way we engage things. Pleasure, knowledge, opportunities and mission, people. It changes everything when we ask, how does God impact this before we engage in it? So we're going to look into scripture. We're going to look at 1 Peter 5.10, and we're going to ask the question about how to purify our minds, strengthen faith, and satisfy hearts with Christ Jesus and not the distractions of the world. See, overcoming the devil's distraction requires clear minds, authentic faith, and a satisfied heart. Has anyone seen in the wild, key here, in the wild, a grizzly bear? Okay, we got one, two, two. We had more in the first service, three or four. Okay, that's better. Honesty progressed. I appreciate it. Anybody at five? Whoa, okay. Come on, one more. I see your hand. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Classic Southern Baptist. Uh, anyways, um, how about this? Hungry grizzly bear in the wild. You don't know if they were hungry or not. Yeah, they were munching on salmon or something. Uh, most people are don't live to tell that truth. If they saw a hungry grizzly bear, y'all feel me on this. Like you don't want to pass a hungry grizzly bear in the woods. Brown uh, brown bears don't. You don't want to be around them. Black bears, eh? They're not as bad. Brown bears, not good. You know why they're not good? They are not satisfied. They eat and eat and eat and eat. In fact, they eat so much so that they can slumber. They can sleep. You see, I think sometimes in our lives what we do is we are so starving and thirsty for the things of this world that we pursue it and seek it out with a hunger and thirst that is vicious. It will take everything else out and consume it into your life to put us in a state of like slumber We have to be careful that we aren't so hungry and thirsty for the things of this world that we are distracted from the things that God has already given us to satisfy the cravings of our hearts. You see, if pleasure is our aim, we have to ask the question, what is the source of pleasure that God has given us? If work or mission is our aim, if you would say, Matt, man, I just want to know what God has for me in my life. I want to know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I want to know where I'm supposed to go. Like, I just don't know. Like, what am I supposed to do? Asking the question, what does God have for you? Maybe you're like a people person. You just love people. Like, you are fueled by people. Have you ever asked who God has sent you to? Like, who are the people that God has, like, sent you to invest in? or to put around you, to build community around you? Who are the people that God has sent you to? You see, pleasure, work, people, and knowledge are all God-given blessings. They are all good things, but not all pleasures are given for our benefit, not all work for our hands, not all knowledge for our minds, and not all people for our community. I think that if uh, we in our lives seek to obtain all knowledge, all tasks, all the work that we can put on our plate, we want every single pleasure that we can obtain, we will always live a life of dissatisfaction. We always live hungry and thirsty for more, or we we do two things really. What happens here is we we get really burned out. Like, I put too much on my plate. I have too many people. I have too many tasks. I have too much to do. I don't have enough time. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. While they were traveling, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And look at what happens when distracted people start asking questions. She came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone, so tell her to give me a hand? Distracted people distract others. She's distracted by the many tasks, so she goes to the Lord and says, hey, hey, hey. shouldn't she be distracted too, right? Look at what the Lord's response is. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Martha found so many things to be distracted by, not just distracted, but worried about. Do you live in a life feeling burnt out, fearing not being able to do everything that you've been told to do? Everything that's been put on your plate. Are you like Martha? You have so many tasks on your plate that you can't focus on the one thing. Jesus continues. He says, Mary has made her choice. Mary has made the right choice. And it will not be taken away from her. You see how the Lord protected her in that moment? You know know what Mary's doing, right? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping and learning from the Savior. The Lord of her life, she is sitting and learning while Martha is serving. Now, come on, y'all. Serving is not evil, right? Jesus, the one whom she's speaking to, came to, to serve, not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Like he is the model servant, Martha's doing what she has seen in Christ but that doesn't mean look not every good thing is right for you There are good things that have been withheld there are good things that that, that we can't handle that we can't they become bad things because of our inability to control ourselves This is not a bad thing it's not bad for Martha to serve but she missed The one thing. Sometimes in our lives, we grab so many different good things and put them on our plate that we miss the one good thing God has for us in our life, right? We must clearly think about what one thing is necessary. When we get worried and upset about the many different things, we need to take a step back. See, this is that setting your mind on, this is your focusing on, this is your meditating on. God, what is the one thing that you want me focused on? If we're going to find what God has given us, we have to have clear minds. 1 Peter 5 eight: be sober-minded, be alert. Be sober-minded, be alert. Being sober-minded and alert means that you're prepared for what is to come. You know what is to come. Uh, Before this, and we're going to look at this later in chapter 4, Peter says, don't be surprised. How do you not be surprised? You know what's coming. You expect it. I know what's coming because I know what God has given me. I know the task God has given me. I know what comes with it. I understand the good and I understand the distractions. I understand what is in front of me. I have a clear picture of what could come to me. Now, we can't absolve of all surprises. We can't absolve of all the things that would come to us. But we can be sober-minded and be alert. We can be ready for what is coming, knowing what God has called us to do and who God has called us in Christ Jesus so that when we face different things, we are ready. This is proactive faith versus reactive faith. Not every situation can we be proactive, but when we can, we prepare our hearts, we prepare our minds, we prepare our actions for what is to come. Be sober-minded and be alert. Don't let your mind be distracted. Being sober-minded and being alert means that we are not uh, confused. We're not distracted. We, are not, we, we, we understand what could come, we understand what will come. He says, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. So why does he tell us to be ready? Why? Because the the devil's roaring, prowling, seeking, trying to find and destroy what God has created in you and for you. The devil is seeking you out, and Peter wants you to be ready. In order to be ready, we must be sober-minded and alert. You see, distraction robs us of being sober-minded. Distraction robs us of being alert because the devil is prowling around looking for anyone to devour. We must be ready. And if he wants to distract us, remember that God has called us to stay focused. Now, the problem is, as we talked about last week, yes, these things are true. The devil wants to distract us. God wants us to stay focused. But how do we do this? How do we actually stay focused on Christ and not think about the things in the world if you want to be ready for distractions and for the battle that is in front of you you've got to focus on God set your mind on things above meditate on God by seeing these two scenarios what does God have for you and how is the devil trying to distract you from it alright what does God have for you and how is the devil trying to distract you from it if you can answer those two questions, you at least know what the battle is. Now I want to walk through Scripture and show you a couple different ways that we battle, but I, but we have to understand the battle first. I think Peter wants us to know that we got to be sober-minded and be alert. Why? Because the devil is prowling. That's our battle. We have a battle. The devil wants to consume you, wants to devour you. This is the battle we fight face. So how do we do this? We look at everything and we ask, if pleasure is our focus, if mission is our focus, if people are our focus, what has God given for us and what has God not given us? What has God given for us and what is the devil trying to do to distract us from what God has given us? It's so easy to be distracted because it's so good sometimes. Like it feels good, smells good, tastes good. Like these things are, they just, they're what we want. They're what we crave, like a hungry bear. Like we're satisfied by these things. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It brings satisfaction to us. We're like, man, this is good. It feels good. Your senses are heightened. Your experiences are starving. You're searching for fulfillment And y'all, the devil is ready for your worship. He is excited, thrilled, prowling around, ready for you to worship him by engaging in these idols and these things that look good but aren't good, haven't been created for you, and you have no self-control over. And he wants you to engage in them. Why? He's ready to be worshiped, and our hearts are ready to give in. He knows this. He's seen this. He's experienced this. He's watched God's good creation turn to him and worship him. Our hearts are ready to give in, but 1 Peter 5, 9 says resist him. Resist him, brothers and sisters, resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The devil may be prowling, but we're facing the same battle. Here's what the devil's good at, making you feel like you are isolated. Making you feel like this is your battle and no one else's. Making you feel like you're facing suffering while no one else is. Making you feel like your health conditions are what no one else experiences. Making you feel like your thoughts and your emotions are what no one else experiences. The devil is good at making us think that we are fighting this battle alone. But look at what Peter wants us to see. Fellow believers throughout the world are facing the same sufferings. And not only do we face the same battles, but we also have the same faith. You see, the devil is really good at making us feel alone. Not only in our battles, but without our faith. He's good at making us feel like, man, if I if I got this faith struggle, if I'm struggling through faith and, and trying to believe in Christ, but I'm struggling to believe in Christ, if I'm fighting through this, maybe I should just do this alone because I'm sure they aren't. Look at them. Look at how they worship. Look at how they speak about the Word. Look at how much they know about the Bible. Look at how engaged they are in, in the church. Surely they aren't struggling. I'm just fighting alone. I can't talk to them about this because look at how great they are. Look at what they are doing. I, I, I can't. Like, they'll know who I am. They'll know my struggles. And do you remember the man that comes to Jesus and he says, I believe, help my unbelief. We are in this together. The battle is united. We are facing the devil together. Don't let him think you are isolated. Don't let him think you are alone. We have enough isolation in this world. We have enough lack of community to let the devil slip into the church. Brothers and sisters, you are together. The ones to your right and your left, they are warriors, and we are being strengthened by Christ to battle together. 1 Peter 5, 9, resist him. firm in the faith. What faith? The faith that we all have. As Ephesians 4 would say, we have one faith. We are together, united in Christ Jesus, to resist together. So we got to ask these questions in order to resist him. If wisdom is your focus, what is the source of wisdom God has given you? And what is the devil's distraction? What is the source of wisdom God has given you? And what is the devil's distraction? All right. If God has given you purpose, what is the purpose God has given you? And how is the devil trying to distract you? If you haven't identified how the devil is distracting you, you don't know the battle in front of you. Be sober-minded and alert so you can recognize the battle that is in front of me. Come on, y'all. Y'all with me? Recognize that battle in front of you. You are not alone. We can fight this thing. If truth is in front of you, if you're seeking out truth, what source of truth has God given you? And how is the devil trying to distract you? If knowledge is your focus, what source of knowledge has God given you, and how is the devil trying to distract you? If health and a long life glorifying God is your aim, what is is the right way to live out a healthy life, and how is the devil trying to distract you? All of these things are good. Knowledge is good. Truth is good. Purpose is good. Wisdom is good. Health is good. Pleasure is good. Joy is good. All of these things are good. But in all these things, we seek to bring glory to God and not to fall into the distractions and the temptations of the devil. So no matter what we do, we need to recognize that the devil is working against us. He is distracting, he is tempting, and he is seeking you out to devour you. If we know the answer, and if we determine the distraction we can begin to understand the battle. What has God called me to do? And what is the devil distracting me? How is the devil distracting me? When we can recognize the answer and the distraction, we can understand the battle. So I asked you last week, I said, man, just talk to somebody, somebody close to you, somebody around you, a group who knows you. Ask them, what what are some things that are distracting you in your life? I got a few answers from some men that I think are really close to me in my life and engaging my life and understanding my life. And the feedback I got was helpful, and I hope that you were able to do the same thing. But when we don't recognize what is distracting us, we might as well be already losing. When the devil doesn't, when we can't even recognize what the devil is doing, we probably are just letting him do it. It's so critical to understand the mission Because if we can understand the mission, then we don't understand how the devil is distracting us from the mission. What has God called you to do in your life? Some of you may feel like you have been in such a place in your life that you could never come back. Maybe you're joining us online because you're not ready to be in community because you don't even know if you can be in a church. I have friends this way. I don't even feel like they can come into a church. Maybe you feel like, man, I'm just kind of testing the waters to see if, like, I feel like I'm even, I can even fit in, or if I can even make sense of this whole thing called church. I don't even know if I, I don't know if I should be in this place. Look, look at me. God is restoring. First Peter five ten. The God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, will Himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. No matter what shame you've been in, no matter what path you've chosen, the God of all grace called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Someone here today lost direction for their career because of COVID. I'm not going to give too much power to a pandemic or to COVID or any of these different things, but somebody in here today, you had a direction for your life. You had a career for life. You felt like you were destined. You felt like you knew what God had for you, and COVID threw it all out of order into chaos. And you're just trying to figure out what God has called you to do and try to reset other things. Or maybe you just lost a passion for your career. They put you into isolation or into your home. And you said, man, I can't do this virtually. And you just don't have that passion for your career anymore. You're not with people anymore. You're not engaging your coworkers anymore. You're like, I don't know what you want me to do. God, I've lost direction. Somebody in here today lost direction for their family during COVID. You forgot what the purpose was. The mission was. Man, it's hard, it's difficult. I'm with you. Like your children get sent home. They can't, they gotta be virtual, they can't be in person. All these different things come into being, and you're trying to wrestle with what do I do with my family? How do I direct my family towards Christ? And you lose that direction, you get distracted by the things of this world, you get involved in the different battles within this world, and you just lose focus on what has God called me to do. Not what has God called this family to do or that family to do, what God has God called me to to do. That is your mission. Do not be distracted. Your family is your purpose. Lead them to Christ. Someone here today lost focus on the gospel. The the devil tried to distract them from the good news of Jesus Christ because of news and politics. One pastor famously says this, he says, breaking news is called that for a reason because it breaks you. Good news is good news because it is good for you. We easily get distracted by the things of this world that pull us away from the goodness that God has for us. Someone here today lost friendships over policies and mandates and different COVID-related things and different things related to their schools and their workplaces and friendships and family. You lost friendships and you got distracted by the things in this world and you're trying to figure out what it looks like to rebuild community and find what God has for you in relationship to others. Somebody in here today has isolated themselves into a phone. They find uh, more community in a device than they do in people. Somebody here today has been fulfilled by pleasures from the devil and not from the Lord. They're seeking things from the devil and not from the Lord. And maybe not even recognizing that they're doing it or that I'm doing it. We have to put ourselves in a situation where we ask the Lord God, what am I being pleased by? What is satisfying my heart? Man, I know we are struggling. I know you are struggling. I know you are fighting. And I know you're battling. And I know you're working. And I know you're trying to overcome. And I know the devil is distracting. But the devil is not going to win today. He is prowling around, but God is restoring. Don't forget this. He is prowling. He is seeking to devour, but God is restoring. The devil is seeking to devour, but God is establishing saints. He is seeking to devour, and God is strengthening warriors. He is seeking to devour, and God is supporting the weary. 1 Peter 5.10 says he is supporting, establishing, strengthening, and restoring. God is supporting us, the weary. God is strengthening us, his warriors. God is establishing establishing us, his saints. Maybe these aren't your story. Maybe you lost focus because you were hurt. Maybe somebody deeply wounded you. Maybe you were lied to. Maybe you had a truth that you believe that God gave you that so, he man, he put it into your heart and it's never been ripped away. You believe this is who you are. This is what God's called you to do and you didn't let anything thwart that. And then all of a sudden, this penetrating lie. The devil figured out a way to sneak in. He gave you a lie, and you said, man, I don't know who I am anymore. Maybe I am that lie. Maybe I have become what they said I am. You were hurt. You were lied to. Maybe you aspired for a a position, a higher position in the vanity of pride. You sought out something because of vanity or pride that wasn't what God had for you. Maybe you were afraid. Maybe God called you to something greater or, or higher or a different responsibility. Or maybe God called you to something different. You said, I can't do it. There's no way I can do that. You settled for less for the fear of insecurity. May we not seek higher positions for pride or, or not attempt great things for the Lord because of insecurity. May we not believe lies or believe the hurt that's been poured out into our hearts, but may we be strengthened knowing who God has declared us to be knowing what his word has declared us to be and knowing the mission that God has given us. It does not waver. It is the thing that lasts for eternity. If you want to believe in something, have hope in something, know this, what God says you are will not change. Who God says you are will not change, In the mission He has given you does not change. It's unwavering and eternal, just as our King is, the God of all grace, called you into this eternality, this eternal mission, this eternal established identity in Christ Jesus is yours. Don't let the hurt, don't let the lies, don't let the aspirations, don't let the settling, don't let the insecurity or pride, Dictate who you are. Let Christ tell you. Fix your mind on Christ. Cut out the distractions. The devil is trying to devour. Fix your mind on Christ. When you want more, Christ is more. His grace is sufficient for you. When you feel unable, Christ is able. He says in Philippians 4.13, I am able to do all things. When you feel weak, remember He is strong. He has set you free from sin. When you crave the things of this world, remember Jesus overcame it. Just like Peter and John suffering in this world. Peter and John, both disciples of Christ. John is suffering. Peter is suffering. And they both point to the same truth. Jesus overcame it. In John 16, 33, he says, You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. When you are craving the world, remember Christ conquered it. When you are in fear of the world, remember Christ overcame it. When you are tempted by the world, remember that Jesus provided a way out. First Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. We are in this together. And at the end of it, he says, He will provide a way out from it, a way to stand up under it. When you are confused in your life, remember that Jesus gave us a counselor in John 16, and he says it's important that I go away. Why? Because he's going to send the counselor to you. We have Counselor who is wise and giving us truth and giving us direction, who lives within us. When you feel full of shame, remember that Jesus is full of grace. Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you feel shame, remember there is grace. And when you are tired, when you are weary, when you are broken, and when you feel messed up, remember that the God of all grace has called you to eternal glory in Christ, and He Himself will restore you. 1 Peter 5.10 Do not believe the lies of this world. This temporary shame is nothing in comparison to his eternal glory. You may be seeking unhealthy pleasures. You may be seeking to lead your family the wrong way. But God has a path back. Focus. Cut out the distractions. Seek the Lord. Be satisfied in him. You see, I think the worst part of all of this is that these promises are readily available to you at every moment of every day, but the devil is distracting you from them. Isn't, isn't it amazing that the same, like, not in everything that we do in life is the answer the one that the distraction is, like, moving you away from. Like, Christ is the answer, and the distractions and temptation are pulling you away from the answer. A lot of times in life, we have, like, an issue and something that it solves it isn't really being hurt by the issue. With Christ, we have the answer, and every distraction and temptation, every evil thing in this world is just trying to pull us away from that truth. Something the devil is using to distract you is robbing you of the gospel message of Jesus Christ that is the truth of who you are and what God has called you to do. You see, we have been saved by God and distracted from our salvation by the devil, and I don't think that's the end of our story. We've been saved by God and distracted from our salvation by the devil, and that is not the end of this story because we recognize the Bible this morning. You, me, we together, this church are going to recognize the battle. We know what God has called us to do, and we see how the devil is distracting us. Maybe you're saying this morning, I'm not just super clear exactly on the details on what God has called you to do. Remember this, God has an eternal mission that you can rest in. Maybe you don't know where you're doing that or how you're doing that, but you do know this, God has called you. We don't always know where we're going, but we know where we are going. We're going to make disciples of Jesus Christ to bring him glory and enjoy his goodness forever. We don't always know what we're going to be doing tomorrow, but what we are going to do tomorrow is going to entail making disciples of Jesus Christ. Bring him glory and enjoy his goodness forever. You have a mission. You have an identity. You've been raised up by Christ Jesus to do something more than what this world sees in you. You are greater than what this world sees in you because you have been seen by Christ to be his sons and daughters. Someone in this room has been distracted from these promises in Christ Jesus, and I believe today you're going to be restored. I believe that your career career is going to be restored for God's glory. Your family is going to be restored for God's glory. Your mind is going to be restored from temptation, and your life is going to be restored from the hell of sin. I believe this because I don't believe that the Bible returns void. I believe if God's Word says it, it's true. He will restore you. I believe someone today is going to find Christ Jesus in the mess of this world through the clutter or foolishness and cleverness of lies. Do you all believe this? Come on, church. Do you believe this? The veil of darkness has overshadowed this truth, is being torn down, and your heart is being set to the tune of the good news of Jesus Christ, and the Spirit is calling you home to eternal life outside of this foreign world with him for eternity. Do you believe? Peter did. In 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, remember when I told you that sometimes we just need to take a step back? Like Sometimes we just need to pause, like, God, what do you have for me now? I know the devil is trying to devour me. I know that's before me, but right now I'm going to take a step back and think about what God, what is my mission right now? Where am I going? What are my tasks to do right now? I want to make sure that the many tasks don't distract me from the one task that you have for me. What do you have for me right now? First Peter 4, 12 through 19, look at this. Dear friends, don't be surprised and just stop right there. I can't make it through, far through a passage before stopping, right? Like, this is so rich. It's so good. Don't be surprised. How do we not get surprised, y'all? We'll be alert and we'll be sober-minded. We'll get our minds ready, clear, thinking rightly, so we know what is before us. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you. Not if, but when, Right? When the fiery ordeal comes among you, test we know we're going to face these battles. Don't be surprised. This is in front of you as if something unusual were happening to you. I'm not going to be surprised, God, because I'm thinking clearly and I know what is in front of me. Verse 13, instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. Do you see what just happened here, y'all? 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10 is telling us... Be alert. Be sober-minded. Get your hearts ready. Have a faith that is enduring. Remember the promises and trust in the promises that God has given us for identity and for our mission. Don't forget this. Be clear-minded. If you back up just a second, you'll see what Peter was engaging. You see, Peter had a distraction in his life. Suffering. Remember last week, Matthew 16. Jesus headed to suffer at the hands of the chief priests in Jerusalem. He's going to be killed on the cross. And what does Peter say to him? Not you, Jesus. You're not going to suffer. Why? Because Peter didn't want to suffer either. Because Peter was looking for an escape out of the suffering. He was trying to get out of it. He was trying to find his way into a place where he just had freedom from suffering. And Jesus said, it's important for me to go do that. And Peter, you will too. And later now we find Peter writing to us, right? This is a restored man. This is a man that can say that God restores you. A man who can say that, man, I was distracted from the mission that God had given me and Christ Jesus to endure the suffering for the glory of God. If we want to learn how to overcome distractions, let's look at Peter. He knows how to be restored. You're going to face difficulties in your life. You're going to face distractions from the mission. You're going to face people who want to pull you away from what God has for you. And maybe you say, man, Matt, there was a point in my life where I felt like I was living for God, like I wanted to do what God had for me. He told me what I, was, what I ought to do. He had a mission for my life, and I was sold out for it. And like I knew what God had before me, but I've been running away from it. Look, y'all, look at Peter. Peter. The one who was distracted is is now teaching us how not to be distracted. The one who was denying Jesus three times. Man, the shame that was entailed with that. Aren't you the guy that denied Jesus? Like if you're here in this room today and you feel shame in your heart. Man, like, man, I've been sitting in the church for a long time, Matt. You don't understand. I can't tell people I, I I, doubt. I can't tell people I struggle. I can't tell people I've been engaged in this sin. I can't tell people I've been a, a disobeying this mission. I can't tell people, Matt, I don't want people to know what's going on. Let me tell you something. Peter was restored. You can be restored, not because of your strength, because God is calling you into eternal glory. Let your shame be turned into glory. Let God redeem your life from death into life. He is restoring you for a purpose. You have an idea identity and a mission that cannot be found in your shame. Your shame will only bring your identity down to what you aren't. You are a child of God. And so Peter says this, right? In the midst of your suffering, what ought we do? Do good. That's simply what he says at the end. Like the purpose statement of this passage is verse 19. So then, let those who suffer and put your distraction in there. Because that was Peter's, right? Suffering was what the devil used to stop the movement of God in the first century. It didn't work. God's work flourished. Jesus moved forward. Peter kept preaching. Paul kept preaching. John kept writing. They kept moving forward. Nobody could stop them. Why? Because in the midst of their suffering, as verse 19 says, they entrusted themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. Don't let anybody stop you from doing what is good. Today you find yourself, I find myself distracted by the things of this world, I know my distractions. You do too. I know my temptations. I hope you do too. When we can identify those things, we can recognize what God has for us and what God doesn't have for us. Then we can fight these battles. And I want to give you three ways to fight these battles. Straight from a man who's fought, Peter. Peter fought distractions, fought temptations, and he lived a life of glory to God. First, clear your mind. I've said this so many times, but I want you to really sit in on this, okay? I just want you to sit with me. Clear your minds. This world will give you many tasks. What's the one task? Clear your minds. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Focus your mind on eternal things, not on temporary things. And meditate on God's Word day and night. That's straight from Scripture. If we're going to pursue Christ in the midst of our temptations and distractions, we've got to be sober-minded and be alert. Because the devil is seeking to devour Second gospel response is to restore faith. Somebody in this room needs to just share, needs to be just be honest. Maybe you need to share with me after this message and during worship time. Maybe you just need to be honest with yourself and say, Maybe I, I believe, but help my unbelief, like I'm struggling. Maybe you just need to be honest with yourself. You've been sitting in church for a long time, but you never really had a faith in Jesus Christ. You go to please somebody else or... You go to be distracted from the things of this world because it makes you feel good or whatever it may be. Maybe somebody in this room has never believed in, in Jesus Christ and you say, Man, I'm, I'm done focusing on things of this world. I, I, they've led me to death. I want to find life. Maybe somebody in this room was called to do something great for the glory of God and you abandoned it. And you feel like you can never go back. You feel like you lost that opportunity. You feel like you have given up what God had for you. Don't let the devil win. That's a lie. That's straight from hell. The devil is not victorious. Listen to the word that's straight from heaven. Christ has a word. It's greater. It's more true. And it is about you. The devil will always lie. Christ will tell you the truth. Let yourself be redeemed by the mercy of Jesus Christ. Let your faith be restored by God's strength. He is restoring you, supporting you, strengthening and establishing you. Don't forget that. No matter where you are right now. You're not too old. You're not too young. And third, satisfy your heart in Christ Jesus. As the worship team comes forward, I want you to continually think about this. What does it look like for me to satisfy my heart in Christ Jesus? Like we all ask that with me this week. You've already asked what your distractions are to somebody whom you trust, as we talked about last week. Even if you didn't, maybe ask somebody this week and just start to think about this. What does it look like for me to satisfy my heart with what God has given me, not with the things of this world? I mean, it's hard, right? Like, it's easy to say it on stage. It's easy to say it in front of people who kind of agree. It's easy for us to kind of come in here and sit together in the heat, in the nice building. But when we step out of these doors, it's hard. Like, it's not easy, right? But the truth is, is the devil is devouring. We should know this. It should not surprise us that it's really, really hard because he is so good at twisting good things and making them bad. It's not, it should not surprise you when you are tempted to engage in something that is not good for you. The devil is so good at it. But Christ is greater. He has overcome the world. If you have sought to overcome, and you've always fallen short, would you consider giving it all over to Christ? and asking his help. And I think that as pastors who pursue after the Lord, and I hope that we always do, we have created ways to support you in this journey. They're not perfect, but I do believe that they're what God has called us to do. So maybe you have a different way of doing this. I don't know. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Do something. Peter says, do good. Here's what I would challenge you with. Just do something that is going to clarify what God has for you, clarify the distractions, and help you to pursue what God has for you. For you, if you have a network of people set up that can support you in that journey, awesome. If you don't, we have created networks for that. We call them D groups and life groups. We want to help you, it's our best shot at this. Maybe you're in here like, man, God has called me to do something. I've been running away from it. I feel like God has called me to invest in others, and I've just been running away from it. Look, we have the the network to set up and to lead you to be a person, a change agent for somebody else. Maybe that's what God has for you. Here's what I know, y'all. He doesn't have passivity for you. The devil works. He's active in passivity. We cannot sit back and think that we will overcome temptations and distractions by doing nothing. So maybe you'll do something with me. Maybe you'll journey with me. Let's fight. Let's overcome through the power of Jesus Christ. So would you find a group of people to clear your mind, restore faith, and satisfy your heart in Christ Jesus with? Let me pray for you. God, we struggle so hard to believe, not just in your existence, but what what you've called us to be. We struggle to to believe what you've called us. We struggle to believe what you've given us to do. We struggle to have faith in it and hope in it. We just struggle, Father. And so I ask, God, that you would strengthen our hearts, establish the truth in, in us, that you would support us when we're weary and tired. And you'd restore us when we fall short. Father, I ask that you would draw us near to you. For those of us in this room that sometimes struggle just to pursue after you and struggle to have that urge to, to, to follow after you in every single moment of every single day, God, would you draw us near to you with your grace and your mercy? Would justice be so apparent that we would long for it? God, would you draw us to you? We need you. Draw us near as we draw near. pray, Father, that you purify minds in this room, that you would clear our heads so clear that we would be able to focus on things above, not on earthly things. I pray, Father, that you would give us a faith that is so strong and so entrenched in your gospel that the distractions of the devil cannot tear away the good news that has been planted in our hearts. And Father, I pray that you would satisfy our hearts, that we would not pursue things, hunger and thirst for the things of this world, but only for the things that you've given us, from the many tasks that overburden us us, but let us focus on the one things. God, give us strength. We cannot do this alone. We will fail. We need you and we love you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.